Welcome to a guide culture podcast series called Loy Lessons. I'm here, Macy McNeely, with my dad, Loy Day. Hello, everyone. And Loy Lessons, if you've been around for a while, you know they are not new. In fact, this is where a lot of everything about guide culture kind of began. At the beginning of my business journey, I was learning so much from Loy, learning how to sell, learning how to be credible, how to be liked and trusted, and and really learning these unwavering truths, these principles that were overflowing into Instagram and were really giving me a lot of traction. And he was giving me so much valuable information that all I could do, all I knew to do was to share him with the world. And we kind of got in this habit of every Thursday, he would share something called a Loy lesson on Instagram stories. Do you remember that Loy? I do. Now, what happened though, I was not trying to share a Loy lesson. Right. You forced me I to did. do a Loy lesson. I put the phone in his face and I said, share some yeah. good, valuable yeah. content. It would start out where Macy would be talking with her audience on an Instagram story and she would just put the phone in my face and say, say something, Loy. Then eventually she would say, give us a lesson, Loy. And then eventually every Thursday we would have an an official Loy lesson. And during that time, remember, we also did some live Instagram stories for probably close to a year. Every morning is like our morning show yeah. because we were trying to build the guide culture name and Mm -hmm. get things going. So the Loy lessons did develop from that. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to continue them further into a podcast series. So many of you loved the Loy lessons, and we are so excited to just bring that series back in podcast form. So here is how it works. Every Wednesday and Friday on the Guide Culture Podcast, there will be a two-part series, a two-part message from Loy. And then on Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, there's going to be a clubhouse room called the School of Sales. And this is where he's going to kind of have a part three uh, on Clubhouse, but even better, this is where discussion and coaching actually happens. His name is Coach Loy Day on his social media because that is his gift is to coach. And he's he spends most of his time coaching inside of guide culture and especially with our guide culture coaches. So for him to be able to come and coach on Clubhouse is just so awesome and just honestly, it's it's priceless. So put that on your calendar, 10 a.m. Eastern time for Clubhouse. And the best way to get to the Clubhouse room is just to go to Clubhouse and search School of Sales, but also on the guide culture Instagram, we actually link the room right before it goes live. So you can just swipe up on those Instagram stories and it'll take you right to the clubhouse room. Hope you enjoyed this series and we will see you in the School of Sales room. This week we're going to talk about investing. We had one of our academy students ask a question around this. As I said, they'd like to hear more about investing. I was talking about investing into your business and ways to think about it and look at it. And she said, I would like to hear more about that. So we're going to talk about investing for this, this week. And investing for me is is in my sweet spot because I really think about these things. These are things that interest me. Uh, my whole life, my whole career, I've been kind of in this arena, uh, suggesting investments and helping people invest and doing this myself. So the investment game, and I've I've done well on some things and lost some things. Uh, the one thing I can tell you right now, whenever you hear of people talking about great investments, great wins they've had in investing, they love to talk about the wins, but what people don't talk about is their losses. But any kind of 
time you have an investment situation, it can go both ways. It's not always a win. So, and that is the first concept. The first overall concept on investing is risk reward. Every investment carries a risk reward component to it. For example, if you put your money in a bank, it's going to be very low risk because the bank is protected, FDIC protected through the, you know, the federal government up to, I think it's $250,000. So it's a very low risk is even if the bank went out of business, which sometimes banks do, if a bank went out of business, the federal government backs that up. So that's a very low risk and place to put your money. But at the same time, it's also a low return. You get less than 1% return on that money. So it's risk reward. And if you want to do a comparison, uh, let's say if I had some money and I could either put that money in the bank at a very low risk and earn less than 1% on it, or I could take that same money and go pay off a car loan that I was paying 6% interest on the car loan. Well, that car loan is a very low risk investment because your money's going somewhere. There's no way you can lose that money. It's paying off a debt that you have. So when you look at risk reward, you think, okay, what's the risk on this and what's the reward? And if someone says, hey, take that money that you have in the bank and go put it in the stock market. You can earn 12% in the stock market. You only earn 1% in the bank. Well, that's two different things because the stock market is very risky. You can also lose your money. You don't always make 12%. Sometimes you lose 12 or 20% in the stock market. So it's, it's two different things. You take a low risk thing and move it into a high risk thing. So that's two different use of your money. So when you think of investments, you got you got to think risk reward. What's the risk of losing this money, and what's the reward? And there has to, you know there's a balance. Sometimes you want to take low risk, and sometimes you want to take higher risk. But just remember, when you take higher risk of return, you're also taking higher risk of losing the money. So the risk reward concept always comes into play in investing. You keep that in the back of your mind. Another thing that you think of is time horizon. Because if you've got, you know, a year to do something with money, then that's not a place to go put it in the stock market. A year is usually a place you're going to put it in a low-risk investment so I can use my money. Maybe I've got to, I want to buy, I want to come to the in-person guide culture training next January. So I'm going to start saving that money to put it there, to, to pay for that. Well, that would be something you'd put in a checking account because it's a low, a, a short time horizon and there's no reason you don't have time to go risk the money and do something to get your return there. So that's more of a short-term time horizon. Whereas a longer-term time horizon, which would make me invest in your business or college education or, you know, to save up for a house or whatever, long-term, you, you consider the risk-reward based on the time horizon. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind on investment is, is compounding interest. I think it was... Um, one of the greats, one of the great philosophers said that one, the, the seventh wonder of the world is compounded interest. So when you look at money that's, that grows and then that money that grew compounds and grows again the next year, then all that money grows and compounds again the next year. That's known as compounded interest. So if you get yourself your money in something that continues to compound, then that's a good way to, to look at some value of, of investing. But the flip side is that, remember, there's two sides to everything. Everything has two sides. 
The, the flip side of that is when you borrow money, the debt, the interest on debt, well, that compounds as well. So you have to be careful of compounding both on the growth side and on the debt side. Now, something else I'm always attuned to and watching for, uh, this is the second principle here, is taxation. I want to know how my money is going to be taxed. Uh, I took a, a taxation course when I was studying for one of my uh, financial courses that I used to take uh, in the financial industry a little bit. And we I took a taxation course. It was very good. I kind of had a, a good concept, a, a, a small concept about taxation, but this course gave me a much better concept. And at the end of the day, honestly, taxation in America is a progressive tax system. The more you make, the more you pay in taxes. And it also, it limits the advantages of taxes. Like, for instance, an IRA, which gets the pre-tax, you know, and the Roth IRA and all that, where you get some some taxation breaks on the growth and all that. Well, they limit how much you can put into that. Same thing with the 401k. They limit how much you can put in. So when you get these taxation advantages, there's a limit to how much you can do. It's for the lower average person. The higher-end people can't really take advantage of those things. And, and you look at capital gains and short-term, long-term. Right now, they're talking a lot about, you know, new taxation rules. So they may change capital gains. So when you look at understand taxation, then you see some of the investment things differently. It's a great study is a study of taxation. I was recommended for anybody to have a kind of an understanding, but you still need your tax person uh, because I don't have an interest in going into the nitty gritty on how to make all that work. I just want to have an overall picture of how that works. Uh, and the other thing is, um, that's two. The first one is risk reward. The second one is taxation. Uh, the third one is availability of cash. So many people put their money in, in a 401k. They put their money in IRAs. They put their money in college Funding vehicles, you know, like, uh, you know, the Coverdale IRA or the, uh, you know, the, the different things that you use for college funding. And sometimes people pay off their mortgage early. They try to put more money on the mortgage. So I always kind of look at, yes, I want to do all those things, but more important to me is have cash available because it's hard to make a move on something that you see an opportunity. If you don't have available cash, if your cash is all sunk into something that you can't really use. Uh, so typically, I don't pay off my home mortgage. I I try to have equity there. I love having equity there. But but I set up a HELOC, a, a, a line of credit on the home so that I so that I have available money, but I'm not sinking all the money in. If I was paying money towards the paying off the, the mortgage, then once you pay that money in there, the only way to get it back out is to refinance or to have a HELOC, a line of credit on that. So typically, I want to keep some available cash around so I have opportunities and I just don't sink it all into places I can't get it back out. Uh, I'm about on 401ks. I like investing up to the match that the employer gives. But outside of that, I like investing in a place that I can get, get my money and use it if I need to. And you want to keep in, in you know, the, the, the risk reward and the interest rate thing. I'll tell you a true story. When, when we were first married, I had never owned a credit card ever, never even seen one. As a matter of fact, we went on our, our honeymoon without a credit card. And I almost thought I was going to run out of money. But when we got home, 
and we were starting to do things and I was paying the bills. I was, I had an interest in this and I was doing, I was paying the bills and Linda had a credit card and I got the first credit card statement and I started looking at it and it said, here's the amount due. I think there were some jeans on there. I forget if she paid 20 or 60 or eight. I forget what it was she paid for those jeans. And, and the minimum amount due was like, you know, 10 or $20 and the interest rate was like 18%. And I looked at that and I started calculating. I said, it wouldn't take long to have to pay for those jeans three times if you make the minimum payment. If you just make the minimum payment over and over and over with this interest rate, by the time you buy those jeans, you bought them three times. It didn't take me long at all to understand the interest rate game there, the debt game and how bad that could just eat you alive. So Right off the bat, I knew, do not carry credit card debt. Nobody had to tell me that. I could see it right on the credit card statement. It just made sense to me. So controlling your cash, available cash, and controlling your debt and controlling interest rates that you're either paying or getting in with that money is a big part of figuring out how to invest. And But the one thing that you're going to find if if you start investing and things that are not that are a little bit more risky, that you're going to take some chance, you're going to go out there and go for something, is that I found it's about a one to four ratio. You get about one winner out of four losers. And the key is that you're able to cut your losers short, not lose too big on the losers, and run your winners out really good. So it's not that you pick more winners than losers, is that you cut the losers short and get the winners to run out. Uh, all through my career in, in insurance, I've done that with hiring people, hiring producers, uh, hiring, uh, buying advertising, uh, trying different things. And usually it's about a one to four ratio. One will work and about three won't work. And and you just play that out until you find what works. You do a little trial and error. And that's why it's kind of important in investments, let it come to you. If it's, if it's too hard to go get something, say you're trying to buy a piece of property or you're trying to get in this business or find this something you're doing, and it's really hard to get there, then it's sometimes better just to wait. Just back off and wait. Let it kind of come to you. And with my, my property purchases, I've kind of been that way. I've looked at things, I've wanted things, but so many times you just have to kind of let it come to you. Now, in the next thing we want to talk about is sweat equity. So what if you don't have a lot of money? What if you don't have money to go invest in something, which most of us don't starting out? And the best thing you can do is is create sweat equity. Do it yourself. Do the work yourself. That's why if you're really, really into trading stocks, let's say you want to be a stock market guru. I think you have to spend a lot of time and effort learning that. You have to put the sweat equity into learning how to do that. Start small, but study it. That's what you do. That's what you enjoy. You study it. You do it. I hate it. I do not like playing in that market. I don't like the stock market. I don't like studying stocks. I don't have the patience for all that. I want to be moving and shaking. I want to be selling and seeing people and doing this, that, and the other. Uh, Another one like that could be real estate. Maybe you're all into real estate. Oh, I want to buy a house and flip it and fix it up and rent it. I want to do all these things. That's fine, too. But then you're going to need some sweat equity there. you got to figure it out. and you got to go be the person probably that's finding the homes, that's doing the repairs, that's finding the deals. That's what you do because that's what you like to do. I don't like that either. I'm not into real estate because I can't do the repairs. I don't understand it. I, don't, I can't look at a house and say, 
well, this house is going to cost X number of dollars to get ready. Or this piece of property needs this zoning. This is a zoning issue or, you know, this septic tank or this sewer or this whatever. There's so much in real estate that I don't know and it's too big of an investment for me to take a chance there. So I don't play in that market. I don't have an interest there. Some people do, but I'm saying if you do, use your sweat equity to go do it yourself while you don't have the money to pay somebody else to do it. But another way, the place that I've used my sweat equity is in my trade, the things that I've done. Uh, I started out being a school teacher and then a, and a coach, and I wanted to move into the business world. My first uh, thing was I think I tried to do some consulting, do some private coaching, which I did not like. I didn't find any fulfillment in that at all, just doing private coachings. I didn't, couldn't really see the growth of these kids, and I just didn't see the value there of me doing that. But then when I got into business opportunities, there was a lot of sweat equity I put into that. My first one was photography. I saw this guy taking pictures. I thought, I can try that. That's a good one I can try. And I went all in. I went and took the photography course. I, I did a correspondence course. This was 30 years ago. Uh, New York Institute of Photography. Correspondence course back and forth. I wanted to learn how to do this. Then I learned sales and, you know, just started learning how to build a business and invest in it. But that's sweat equity when you do things yourself. And uh, part of the sweat equity is building yourself up, building yourself. Uh, for example, when I was coaching, I went to a conference right off the bat. Hubie Brown was the coach of the Atlanta Hawks at that time, and I was coaching basketball. I remember right off the bat, one of my first years of coaching, I went to one of his conferences. That was my first experience of going to a conference to learn. I came right back and put his plays in and took what I learned and did them, you know. But that value in going to the conference creates so much creativity. You learn some things. I will say that for the in-person. There's so much opportunity just to create an idea, uh, some you know, some imagination. And what is one idea worth? What is one fresh idea worth? There is no telling. I'll tell you a story on the next podcast about what one idea was worth, one conversation I attended, and what it turned out to be. And it's just from one idea, something I hadn't seen, it spurred the imagination. And so with all that being said, so the investment that you can get the biggest return for the money spent is to invest in your own business. Like when I did this photography thing, I went and bought a camera. And then I'd do some jobs, and then if I find a bigger job where I need a bigger camera or needed more equipment, I'd go buy the equipment. And the first, or, or I had a little extra money, I'd go buy it. So I kept investing in, in the equipment and getting more jobs and bigger jobs. But keep in mind, I was getting jobs along the way. I was selling while I was doing it, but the investment was going back into that. Uh, when I did insurance, it was like investing back in people. For example, when I first started the insurance business, I I went to all the other agents who were the people I wanted to emulate. I started with, uh, this is 31 years ago. I got the opportunity. I said, this is it. This is the move I'm going to make. I can do this insurance. I like it. I feel it. I know I can sell. I can build. I've proven it with a photography business. And so I went around to all the, ins I got a name from the, the manager that was going to hire me of the agents that were kind of the ones I would want to emulate, the ones that are growing, that they're top, you know, on the top of the, of the charts, you know, he liked, they were like doing all the things. I went to those guys and I sat down and talked to them. I said, what are you doing? And then I got my manager to tell me, what are these guys doing? 
and I copied what they were doing. I just copied it. And what they were doing, though, they were investing in their business. They were hiring people, and they were buying advertising. They were putting money back into it. And so that's exactly what I did. And just before I had the money, it was an investment. It was a risk-reward. It was a, a fairly risky thing, really, looking back. But I felt like I could control it because at least I can go out and sell. I can go out and try to sell my way out of this thing if I get in trouble. All it takes is putting the effort in enough time to do it. But it was an investment, and the, and the heavier I invested, the more it took everything off. And some guys invested even heavier, heavier than me, went bigger than me. But I went as as far as I felt good about doing, and then that's where I invested to. And that investment is what took this thing off. And we're going to talk about, on the next trip, I'm going to talk about my story on the insurance, things I did. We'll tell Macy's story, how she did it, and then some principles around this investing in your business.